The old pilot's playing tails, mare's tails and woolly fleece. On the side of a rather scruffy building in Bruce Grove, Tottenham, London, there has been attached one of the famous London blue plaques. Put there by English heritage, the blue plaques are a permanent sign to commemorate the link between a location and a famous person. This particular plaque remembers Luke Howard, a chemist, who lived there between the years of 1772 and 1864. I doubt that many will have heard of him, but for aviators, we use his legacy every time we fly. Luke Howard's father was a lamp maker, who placed Luke in a Quaker grammar school, where the headmaster was renowned for flogging dull students. Perhaps this was his motivation to do well, but regardless, Luke was able to become a pharmacist, serving an apprenticeship, and then starting his own chemist shop, or druggist, as those across the Atlantic would say, in Fleet Street, London. However, it wasn't Howard's hard work as a dispensing chemist that aviators should thank him for, but more his hobby. We don't know why Howard developed an interest in this particular hobby, but it is thought to stem from the Great Fog, with two Gs, of 1783. Howard developed a fascination for the strange haze that had filled the sky that summer and dimmed the sun to a dull yellow disk. The cause was the eruption of the Icelandic volcano, the craters of Lachy, that had filled the atmosphere with dust and ash. The weather initially became very hot, with severe thunderstorms and hailstones big enough to kill cattle, but then the temperatures fell, causing a severe winter and a great frost which froze the River Thames in London. This phenomena, added to by the spectacle of a fiery meteor, which flashed across the sky, captured the interest of the eleven-year-old boy and started a lifelong quest to understand the sky that would eventually result in him being dubbed the father of metrology. Howard became devoted to the study of the weather and made accurate observations for the rest of his life, augmenting his descriptions with readings from barometers and thermometers. Prior to the beginning of the 19th century, most weather observers believed that clouds were too transient, too changeable and short-lived to be classified or even analysed. With few exceptions, no cloud types were even named. They were just described by their colour and form as each individual saw them. So not just white fluffy bunnies, but dark, white, grey, black mare's tails, mackerel skies, woolly fleece, towers and castles, rocks and oxes' eyes. Clouds were used in a few instances as forecast tools and in weather proverbs, but mostly by their state of darkness or colour. Red sky in the morning, sailor take warning, 
and mackerel skies and mare's tails make lofty ships carry low sails. Like many, Howard was inspired by the Swedish taxonomist Carl von Linn, who had set about creating a classification system for all life forms. The system, which became known as the Linnaeus system, was one of the most significant scientific milestones of the 18th century. In the learned world, suddenly classification became a popular pastime and many adopted the Linnaeus system into their area of expertise. For many years, Howard had been studying the atmosphere and he believed he understood the way clouds interacted. He set about developing a classification system that he hoped would improve on fluffy bunnies, woolly fleece and castles in the air. However, he was beaten to the punch by a dastardly French cloud watcher, Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, who was, in 1802, the first to have his ideas published in a paper entitled On Cloud Form. Lamarck initially proposed five main types of clouds, which, to a casual observer like me, seem little better than fluffy bunnies. He suggested they be called hazy clouds, massed clouds, dappled clouds, broom-like clouds, and grouped clouds. Although he was to add to this list, it didn't make much of an impression on the scientists and naturalists at the time, particularly since his work and the names he gave to his clouds were even rather obscure in French. Later in the same year, though, Howard presented his paper to the Askesian Society, of which he was a founding member, entitled On the Modification of Clouds. A modern translation would be On the Classification of Clouds. Not only did Howard propose that one could identify clouds by several simple categories, but he followed Linnaeus's lead by giving them Latin names. Because of the prevalence of the Catholic Church across Europe and beyond, this made them understandable to the vast majority of European-derived cultures where Latin was understood. Howard believed all clouds belonged to three distinct groups. Cumulus, convex or conical heaps increasing upwards from a horizontal base, wool-bag clouds. Stratus, a widely extended horizontal sheet increasing from below, and cirrus, parallel flexuous fibres, extensible by increase in any or all directions. To denote a cloud in the act of condensation into rain, hail or snow, he added a fourth category, nimbus, a rain cloud, a cloud or system of clouds from which rain is falling. The great advantage of Howard's system was that the descriptors could be combined to account for complex formations. So, when cumulus clouds bunched together so that they became crowded in the sky, they became stratocumulus. He described other intermediate categories, such as occurred when small, well-defined, roundish masses were increasing from below, which became cirrocumulus. Howard's work made a big impression on those interested in the weather, 
particularly after his papers were reprinted in Thomas Foster's successful Researches about Atmospheric Phenomena in 1813. The classification system quickly gained wide acceptance, both in Britain and other countries. Amongst its biggest supporters was the German poet, philosopher and scientist Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Goethe used the Howard classification in his weather journals and eventually dedicated four poems to Howard and his clouds. Others adopted his cloud names like the Master Painters, Turner and John Constable. They used Howard's descriptions to depict clouds with greater detail and accuracy. Howard's clouds even inspired Shelley's poem, The Cloud, from where I found words apt for an aviator. While I sleep in the arms of the blast, sublime on the towers of my skyey bowers, lightning my pilot sits, in a cavern under is fettered the thunder, it struggles and howls at fits. Over earth and ocean, with gentle motion, this pilot is guiding me. But why is it so important for modern aviators to have a knowledge of a system of cloud identification created in 1802? Well, a bit like flying into a cloud called rock or castle, flying into a cumulonimbus can have disastrous consequences. Inside a thunderstorm cell, there are forces at work that would worry the most overconfident daredevils. Powerful lightning strikes are lightly. Downdrafts can exceed 50 knots and wind gusts of over 60 knots occur. The turbulence alone might break apart an airliner and the cloud supports hailstones that will cave in ray domes and smash windshields. These clouds can contain supercooled water that will overwhelm the most capable anti-icing systems and they are just in your average thunderstorm. Inside a supercell thunderstorm, updrafts as great as 87 knots have been recorded. Other clouds can be the harbinger of disaster. Lee waves or internal gravity waves are caused when an air mass is deflected upwards by a large obstacle such as a mountain range. If the atmosphere is suitably, stably stratified, the deflected air will want to return to its original position, which causes a standing wave oscillation. This can be violent and stretch for hundreds of miles downwind of the source. Such phenomena have brought down aircraft, and if you want to listen to one such story, head back to the plane tale called Mount Fuji and Flight 911. The clouds that warn of lee waves, or mountain waves as they are often called, are smooth, curved and properly named lenticularis, or lens clouds, that are created at the peak of each wave. If the atmosphere has layers of alternating dry and moist air, these clouds can be seen stacked one on top of the other. 
At the base of mountain waves, a rotor of circulating air can form that can be particularly dangerous due to its strong downdrafts and proximity to the ground, not an ideal combination. Also known as a roll cloud, a rotor cloud looks like a line of cumulus on the lee side and parallel to a ridge line. The cloud has a ragged downwind edge and its base is near the same height as the high ground that caused it. The tops of a rotor cloud can extend well above the ground and can merge with layers of lenticularis clouds above that. The turbulence and downdrafts that strong rotors cause are to be avoided at all costs. Virga is a visible area of rain that falls from a cloud but evaporates before it reaches the ground. It's more correctly called a precipitation shaft. When Virga falls from the base of a dark cloud, it can be a clear indication of a downdraft or even the more dangerous microburst. Inside a large cumulus, there are strong updrafts that carry rain up to the freezing levels of the troposphere, but what goes up must come down when the circulation within the cloud takes this freezing mass on a downward path it can burst out of the base of the cloud and continue down to hit ground level the downburst is dangerous enough to landing aircraft but it's what happens when this mass of air hits the ground and spreads out in all directions that can lead to a disastrous sequence of events when it is encountered on the approach Small events are called microbursts, but larger ones exist that have been dubbed macrobursts. First, the pilot will encounter the leading edge of the wind, which causes them to rise above the glide path and their airspeed to increase. To counter the changes, the pilots will reduce power to get their speed back and increase their rate of descent to recover the glide path. They will then move into the centre of the downdraft with a high rate of descent, lower power settings and reducing airspeed. The downdraft will increase their descent rate and the initial headwind will rapidly turn into an equally strong tailwind, robbing them of vital flying speed. With their engines at a low power setting, it may now be too late to recover, before striking the ground. In the past, a number of accidents have been attributed to these dangerous meteorological events. Whilst Virga is a strong indication of a downdraft, there can also be wet ones in heavy rain and dry ones from thunderstorms that produce little rain. They are all to be avoided. Low stratus and even fog are also forms of cloud, here the dangers are multifaceted. You might simply be flying in clear air over a layer of low cloud and just not appreciate how close to the ground you are, such that a tall spire, tree or mast might project up into your flight path, spoiling your whole day. Landing in foggy conditions must only be attempted with sufficient visibility, but even then there are pitfalls. Used to seeing the visual horizon in a certain position, when you catch sight of the runway on a foggy day, 
the shorter visibility depresses the horizon, making it appear lower than you are used to. In an attempt to put it back where you expect to see it, it will be natural to lower the nose, which isn't really something that will impress your passengers as you disappear into the undershoot. Luke Howard became a member of the Royal Society, and in addition to his seminal work on clouds, he left us a treasure trove of climatic observations that are used to compare changes in the atmosphere over the centuries. He was a pioneer of urban climatology, and he was the first to note the heat island effect that occurs in large cities, increasing the temperatures at night when compared to the surrounding countryside. His blue plaque simply states his fame as Namer of Clouds. In 2018, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, located near to his old house in Bruce Grove, named viewing areas in honour of his cloud names at the top of its east and west stands of its new stadium. These, with panoramic views of the pitch and across London, were named Stratus East and Stratus West. So the next time you read a metar or taff, or just gaze up into a cloud-filled sky, have a thought for the man who created the proper scientific names for those white fluffy things you fly through, and thank Luke Howard for not having a forecast read Scattered Woolly Fleece at 2,000 and Broken Castles at 10,000. Oh, and watch out for the one type he failed to classify properly. Cumulo granite. That one can really spoil your day. If you enjoyed this story, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Plain Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show. Find us at airlinepilotguy.com.